Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Someone who's getting into commercial real estate and trying to determine the property type that they're going to invest in. Because I talk to a lot of people like, oh yeah, I really want to get out of single family flipping. I really want to get out of this and I want to get into commercial real estate, but I like apartments. I like parks. I like storage. I like all these different property types. Can't figure out which one to get into. I highly recommend people look at the economy as a whole first. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Mario Ditello. Mario is based in Naples, Florida. He's the owner of Celebrate Communities that raises capital to invest in mobile home parks. And then he has a company that also manages them. He also has his own podcast, The Mario Ditello Show. The current holdings at Celebrate Communities is $50 million in assets under management, all mobile home parks. That's just over a thousand lots. Mario, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Hey, Slocum. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Basically, what we do is we buy mobile home parks, we turn around and we operate them for an extended period of time. And got a group of investors that we look out for and earn attractive returns for. So our business is pretty simple. 
but it's very complicated, <laughs> just like any other commercial real estate. So in simple terms, that's what we do. And I've got some other businesses that are supporting around that mobile home park industry as well. Mario, about your business plan, the majority of our best ever listeners are involved in some degree with apartment investing or apartment syndication. So they're very familiar with a value add business plan. So just a couple of things that I want to ask you about your other businesses. Are you purchasing with a targeted defined hold period and a targeted return? Or are you adding value, forcing appreciation, and then holding indefinitely? Great question. So our business model has been primarily to buy underperforming assets and we hold them for an indefinite period of time. Our capital partners are pretty patient and their mindset is they want cash flow with obviously appreciation and forced appreciation in the mix as well. But we are not a three, five-year, seven-year buy, turnaround, and sell type model. We are 10-plus year holds on everything that we buy for the most part. I know you said, or at least I said, that you own a management company for mobile home parks. And you said you have some other peripheral businesses around mobile home parks. Tell us more about those. Yeah, Celebrate Communities is actually the management company that operates the communities. We've got a few holding companies, Real Estate Acquisitions USA, Equity Growth, and a couple others that actually own the real estate. But Celebrate Communities is the management company, and we use third-party management as well. We also own a title company for mobile homes. It's called Celebrate Title. And we also have Celebrate Homes, which is a dealership that infills vacant lots in communities, does the home sales, and then also does brokering of homes for residents within our communities as well. And I've got an education company called Real Cashflow that is focused around teaching people how to acquire and invest in mobile home parks as well. So we've got this ecosystem going where regardless of what someone's involvement is or they want it to be in the industry, we can help service them and take care of them. And it really is nice because not only are we doing these things for our businesses, but we can use it as a way to build relationships with other community owners too. And it's kind of evolved over time. So with your title company and your development and brokering company, if I'm describing it accurately, are those primarily to service your own portfolio and your own transactional needs? Or do those companies spend more of their efforts working for other mobile home park owners? So we started all these companies really to support our business. And the reason is because mobile home parks and the industry in general is still pretty old school, I guess you could say. It's not very efficient. There's not good property management. There's not good mobile home title companies. And I'm not ripping on anybody. Everybody knows it. It's in the consolidation phase right now. So you don't have a lot of really good support companies. So each one of these businesses was formed really to support our portfolio. And just recently, we started offering it to outside clients. But I would say the majority of the business is still supporting our portfolio. And I think in 2023, we'll see that shift. We've started doing some different marketing and hired someone to handle relationships for outside clients a little bit better so that we can drive it to the public more as well. Tell us more about the relationship with deciding to build these peripheral businesses and scaling your own portfolio. Did you come to a time or a portfolio size where you realized that having a little more control, having the ability to bring in house 
these other activities related to your assets? Was there a particular portfolio size where you just realized, okay, now it's time we should be developing our own empty lots or did it come about for some other reason? Really good question. And I think anyone that is getting into the manufactured housing industry, mobile home park industry will hit this same situation. They're going to hit that benchmark where they go, okay, I think we're at the point where we either need to take control of this or we got to find a really good vendor that can handle it. And I would say it was about when we hit about five communities, we recognized that the management company that was managing our property was just not going to be able to manage it the same way we did. So that's when we formed our own management company. I hired a great person who'd been a COO for a very large apartment group and helped me put that in place. And the dealership was a mechanism of a couple things. It had to do with regulations because depending on how many homes you're selling per year, you need to be a licensed dealer. So for us, we had to do it from a regulatory standpoint, but also bringing people in who are experts in renovating mobile homes and selling and doing things like that just gave us the efficiencies that we need. And we're constantly improving that, but it was purely out of necessity. The title company is relatively new, and that's because we've tried both local and national title companies. And anyone who's in the mobile home park industry knows that titles are a nightmare. They're just a mess. Think about car titles and dealing with the DMV. Well, put that on steroids and every county of every state has different processes and every state has different licenses. So it really made sense just to bring somebody in-house and they are treated as separate businesses. They bill each other. It's run as separate companies, but it was really the focus of just trying to get better at what we're doing for our own portfolio. And then in the not so far off history, we decided, look, there's a lot of other people who could really use this. And it also helps to attract better staff if you are a more profitable company. And just pulling back the curtain and giving your listeners the inside scoop on this, when you are your own client, it's hard to charge yourself market rates. You find yourself discounting things. You find yourself not trying to make a profit as much because you're just trying to get efficiencies out of things and get work done. But when you start offering it to the public, you can then offer market rates, which then allows your companies to become more profitable and in return attract better talent to work in those companies. And that's why we are making them outward facing versus just inward facing companies. I have a small detail-ish question, and then I want to get into a, a bigger picture conversation sure. here, Mario. Your title company, with every state and sometimes localities operating very differently in that regard, it makes me curious, how many states is your title company operating in? Well, we're working in the five states that we currently own communities in. And I think as we grow that, we'll take on more states. But because we already have had to go through the process of learning each DMV and each state, it's easier. It's not like a real estate title company. It's purely a paper pushing company. Literally, we're requesting documents from the DMV. We get those documents. We provide all the supporting documents, fill out the forms, provide checks, give them instructions. Sometimes we've got to run newspaper ads, but it's really a paper processing company more than what you would think of as a real estate title company. But some of the states get really, really goofy. So we've tried to work within the states that we know and are already doing business with and 
over time, if we get a big client that's got a good amount of volume, then we'll enter that new state, but we haven't done that yet. Which states are those? We're in Florida, Georgia, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and Texas right now. So we're pretty spread out, actually. That is pretty spread out. Mario, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that when you're scaling a mobile home park portfolio, you get to a point where it makes sense to start these peripheral businesses because you realize that I'm going to add some of my own words here. You realize that you could do a better job than the third-party vendors, contractor service providers you're working with. Naturally, it's your portfolio and you care more, but also you start to realize that you have the scale to get people working directly for you full-time accountable to you. And that, like you said, brings a lot of efficiencies. The only place where I might disagree with you here is that I think this applies to scaling any type of real estate portfolio and not just mobile home parks. Sure. I say that I am an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. In 2020, I started a property management company. And at the very end of 2021, I started a renovations company. And then in the second half of 2022, I started an HVAC company for very similar reasons to what you are referencing here. As my portfolio grew, the first thing I needed was full-time employees. The other thing that was happening for me, and I'll get off my soapbox in a moment and let you do Mm -hmm. more of the talking and I'll do more of the asking, but my portfolio was getting to a point in 2020 into 2021 where two things were happening. One was that I had enough units to manage that I needed to have employees. Another was that... I had partnerships that because of the way that they had evolved over time, those partnerships were hiring me to manage our properties. And I needed to find a way to formalize that. I now offer third-party property management services for a lot of the reasons that you're discussing. Charging market rate, sure. But also because the larger the portfolio that I manage the larger the company that I can build out, the greater efficiencies that I create for myself. I'll tell you, we're recording at the very beginning of January, 2023. And just before Christmas, on the night between the 23rd and the 24th, you probably are familiar with the crazy winter storm that we had in Cincinnati. It got to 15 below zero, and that's Fahrenheit. That's negative 26 Celsius for anyone internationally who's listening in. And I managed properties where tenants left their basement garages open and the pipes exploded. And I had some loss of heat issues that I had to deal with. I had some other indoor rain type leaks that that resulted from frozen pipes. And I had a company with staff and 1099 contractors who worked for me full time who could go address all of those issues the moment they came up. Because of the size of the company that I had built, and especially because I had started taking on third-party management clients, I was in a better position to respond to emergency situations that arose because I had built that company the way that you're building a management company and a dealership. I hope your dealership doesn't deal with too many emergency situations, Mario, (laughs) but I'm sure your management company does every once in a while. I'm coming from a very similar position here where through the building of my portfolio, I'm creating and building out peripheral companies. I want to come back 
to a question and hone in on it specific to mobile home parks. And then I kind of want to answer this for apartments for our listeners, particularly our active investor listeners in the mobile home park space. When is it that you really need to start bringing more of the operations of your communities in house? So there's a unique aspect to our industry, and I kind of touched on it before, but because most of the owners that own these communities nationally are mom and pops, meaning a lot of them have developed these communities with their bare hands over long extended periods of time. Some of them still live in the community and they're not running these properties efficiently. There really isn't a lot of supporting companies for our industry. For example, there's probably four to five sizable management companies in the country that manage mobile home parks. In apartments, you can pretty much go buy an apartment, find a management company to manage in almost any market, and you're good to go. And that's what's beautiful about apartments is it is a very efficient, very professional industry and market. That isn't the case yet in mobile home park world. So Really, anyone who gets into the world of mobile home parks needs to plan on starting a management company from day one and building it out that way. And the reason that I did not is because I was in a unique situation. I had someone that was a regional manager for one of the top five owners in the country, and I had been talking to him, and his office was out of a pretty good-sized community down the street, and he said, I could manage that 57-space community for you on the weekends and evenings, that's nothing. So he pretty much started his own management company on the evenings and weekends to help me on my first. And then as we grew, he left that company and went full-time with me. And he basically built his management company alongside of us. And then at some point, I just said, look, we need to do this on our own. But most people are not going to have that luxury of just looking up a management company to operate the mobile home communities. The title company, some people will probably always contract that out just because it's not a super profitable business. It's paper pushing and it's very complicated. The others, the dealership, most owners of communities are going to start a dealership simply because they have to. And whether they run it properly and run it as a business or they just have a license hanging on the wall to do what they're doing and they do it kind of more mom and pop style, they're going to have to get a dealer's license if they're doing any sort of scale in any market. So it's very different than apartments. And I'm excited to hear what you say in comparison to apartments, because most people getting into the mobile home park space are coming from the apartments or self-storage world because they're seeking yield. So they're thinking that they can get into our industry and do it the same way that they do it apartments in the storage world. And then once they realize they can't, they get burnt out very quickly and say, whoa, 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 I thought this was going to be easier. I thought I could just get a management company to run this for me and they can't. So it's something that I think all investors looking to get in an active capacity should know about our industry. Let me say one other thing about that. Because the industry is so dated and there isn't a lot of efficiencies or professionalism yet, there's a lot of opportunity. And that's where we're able to get really attractive returns and buy great deals with lots of upside and value add opportunities because there aren't the efficiencies. There's not the data like you have in a lot of these other industries. So it is a challenge, but it's also the opportunity in our industry. And as our industry consolidates, that will become less and less the case. 
Mario, that makes a lot of sense. We'll get back to the show with a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. This is part of my answer to the same question specific to the management company. But one place where I want to push back is that you started with a 57 lot community and a guy who had experience who told you it was an evenings and weekends gig. One of the things that you said is that most people who get into mobile home parks on their first deal aren't going to find someone like that. What my gut tells me is that 57 units is too small to quote unquote, start your own company because you don't have the scale required to bring on staff who are handling day-to-day operations for you the way that the efficiencies of a management company can as you grow. So what is the best metric and the best number within that metric for knowing when it is time to have your own staff managing your mobile home portfolio? Is it is so, it lot count? Is it monthly gross rents? What is the metric and then what is the number within that metric? So responding to what you're saying, the problem is, is you're 100% right. You can't go and hire people in the sense of you can't just go hire a bunch of employees to create a management company to operate without you. But when you buy your first community, maybe it's a 30 space, 50 space, 100 space, whatever, you are going to act as the regional and you're going to have on-site community managers that are reporting to you. The point at which you should hire that first regional manager or leadership position is as soon as you can afford the salary to pay that person. And it's going to vary from a lot count standpoint because rents are different in every market. And obviously that's going to vary. But as soon as you can hire that person, you need to do it. And one tip here, you should be charging a management fee. Even if you have partners or it's even yourself just owning it, you should be charging a management fee day one And then using that revenue to pay for the operations of the management company. And once that hits the number that you can make that first hire, and realistically, you might find a part-time person with some property management experience to come in and help you with that earlier than you can hire that full-time experienced regional manager from one of the big companies that can come in and teach you how to do it. You can at least get someone to help you. You can also look at getting an assistant. So where you might still be that leader, the regional manager, let's say, that the community managers are reporting to, you could still get an assistant to take some of your workload off you so you can focus on also going out and acquiring more communities. I know I'm not giving you an exact metric because 
it's going to vary market to market. If my communities in Florida range from 450 to 600 in lot rent, where my community in Pennsylvania generates 300 to 350. So it's hard to say on the size, but it's going to be more revenue based and when you can afford it. And I would recommend hiring as soon as you possibly can, because it'll free you up to work on your business and not in it every day. I'm not going to end up giving you a specific metric either for very similar reasons. One thing I'll point out though, about the difference between mobile home parks and apartments or residential multifamily and frankly, single family is that I don't know what the equivalent in mobile home parks is of a duplex. I don't know anyone who's buying two unit properties in mobile home parks. So a lot of apartment investors and residential investors, if I can say it that way, end up starting there or starting with a single family, accidental landlords. So there's a much smaller scale that people start with from single families, residential multifamily and apartments. Putting my words to a sentiment you've already shared, Mario, I would say that it's important to scale your way into a management company. This should be its own episode of the Best Ever Podcast, but there are ways to scale yourself into having a full-on, full-service property management company that doesn't require you in its day-to-day operations, and that it is important to figure out the best first ways to start that as quickly as possible, because there are a lot of remedial tasks that do not require any expertise, but they do require time and they do require energy and focus. And those tasks should be delegated to someone else as quickly as possible. If your focus is building a portfolio or doing things that are much more dollar productive with your time. So we resonate there. I usually tell people within residential investing not to hire someone else until they're well beyond 10 units. First 10 units you ought to be doing by yourself anyway, so you have a feel for it. The only other piece of advice I have in this format is that I start by hiring anything that can be done remotely first. I want to make sure that I'm the one who is the boots on the ground at the beginning, that I'm the one who's visiting the properties. I'm the one who's going to notice things. I'm the one who needs to be posting the notices if there are any notices to be posted. But anything that can be done remotely can be done by someone whose time is much more affordable than mine. VAs are great for that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you work with any virtual assistants? We have VAs for some project type work, but all of our staff is salaried employees. Um, We do have a little bit of contract work, but for the most part, it's all salaried employees. The other thing I wanted to mention about that too, and I would almost encourage, it's going to sound backwards, new investors to not go too small. And I don't want to give you the wrong idea that you should take too much risk, but there is safety in scale. So buying it, and I'm kind of going off of your two-space community comment, and you're exactly right. Nobody should buy a two-space or a five-space mobile home park. I truly believe that because one surprise expense will wipe out returns. There's a reason that smaller parks struggle, and it's because the payroll of the on-site manager is going to be somewhat close to what a little bit larger community is going to be. That one plumbing break 
is going to have a lot more impact on it. So I would look at going as large as you can. And that will also help you get into the scale where you can afford the employees sooner. This is going to shock people, but I've never collected rent from a tenant in my life, ever, personally. I've never collected rent from a tenant, ever. So that's very backwards from what a lot of people do, because like you said, it's good to be in that seat where you are managing things yourself because it's a great learning opportunity. In the situation that I was in, I was able to do it and avoid that whole process by finding someone day one that was very good at it. And from then on, I've always had people with experience come in and run that company where they were trained by large institutional investors. So I would highly recommend going as large as you can and get to the scale where you can afford people to help you because ultimately every day that you're in the daily grind, you aren't paying attention to the big picture strategy. You're not paying attention to a lot of the things that make great asset managers great. You can't do that when you're collecting rent and posting notices and doing things like that because it takes a lot of time. So that's my recommendation. Scale as fast as you can responsibly into good assets that are cash flowing strong. I want to add that to the end there. Absolutely. Mar, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Bring it. What is the best ever book you recently read? I would say it's not recent, but Traction is a book that I would recommend everyone reads if they're investing in real estate, especially commercial real estate or building businesses. It is the foundation of our company, the EOS system, and it's completely changed how we run our companies. What is your best ever way to give back? Twofold. Faith-based organizations are big for me. And secondly, giving back to the industry through education. And that could be through formal education, like an education company, or it could just be through speaking engagements, talking at conferences, or even just helping one-on-one with someone who's new in the industry. I think there's a lot of noise out there and being able to be honest and give good, accurate information that'll help other investors get off their feet faster and avoid a lot of the mistakes is very rewarding as well. Thus far in your mobile home park investing, Mario, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? Great question. These are the important questions, not how do you have success? It's how do you fail? Because that's totally. what people learn. Totally. So I love this question. I've got two. Number one, hiring. When you hire people, hire people who have done what you need them to do, not who've overseen somebody else who's done it or been next to the person who's done it. I've made that mistake several times by not interviewing properly and asking the right questions, but also I didn't take personality assessments very seriously early on. And personality is very, very important in a position. You may have done a job before, but you very well could have sucked at it and worked there for a good amount of time. So your resume looks really good. But if your personality doesn't fit your work and your responsibilities, you won't be very successful at it. So we use personality assessments now to better determine if someone is going to last in that role and if their personality aligns with their responsibilities. And then my second mistake, and this is more real estate specific, would be believe what you learn in your due diligence. I bought a community. Thankfully, it's been profitable and it will continue to be profitable, but it's been a 
major problem property for us because we bought a community in a market that the demographics just weren't very good. I saw it. I probably just didn't take it too seriously because I was focused on growing. It was early on and it was a nice looking park and a, what looked to be a good location. But after I understood the demographics, I should have stopped and went, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is more of a rental market and not an owner mentality market, which in our industry, our residents own their homes and they pay us lot rent. So they're really homeowners. And when you get into a market that has mostly a renter mentality, there's a lot of turnover. So that community has had nonstop turnover since we bought it. And it's time intense, it's capital intense, and it burns out your staff, it burns out your team members because they're having to put a lot more focus on something than they should have to. So just be really thorough in due diligence and believe what you learn in your due diligence and don't let your ambitions make you overlook it or not take those things seriously. That's an excellent example. Thank you. Mario, what is your best ever advice? Shoot, wasn't that it? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. There's two things. I would say for someone who's getting into commercial real estate and trying to determine the property type that they're going to invest in, because I talk to a lot of people like, oh yeah, I really want to get out of single family flipping. I really want to get out of this and I want to get into commercial real estate, but I like apartments. I like parks. I like storage. I like all these different property types. Can't figure out which one to get into. I highly recommend people look at the economy as a whole first. Come up with your view on where the economy is going through researching that. For example, if you see the economy is trending in a negative direction, which I think we can all agree right now, it's pretty clear where the economy is going. But in previous years, it hasn't always been clear. Determine where you see the economy is going. And if it's going in a direction where people will have less disposable income will be holding back on their spending on housing and things, invest in properties that are going to benefit from the future economy. So if we're going into a recession, this might ruffle feathers, but I wouldn't be buying class A apartments or buying class A office or buying things that are more expensive that are a choice place of living or working versus necessities. I would be in the affordable housing side. And that's why obviously we invest in mobile home parks. If it's going to be the opposite and we're going into a boom economy, then that's when you should be investing in luxury assets that people are going to spend excessive amounts of cash to live in that apartment or to have that fancy office and things like that. So that's a great way to narrow down what you should be investing in, or at least narrow it down to the top couple asset classes and then use other filters to narrow it down further. Excellent advice. Mario, last question. Where can people get in touch with you? I would say if someone's just looking to learn more about mobile home park investing or commercial real estate, just connect with me at mariodatillo.net because it's got all my social media links. It's got my podcast on there, my YouTube channel, everything in one central location. If you're looking to actually learn mobile home park investing, I would just go to getrealcashflow.com. I'd love to connect with people. I love helping them. If you are looking to get into the industry, Let me be a resource for you. Awesome. And those links are available in the show notes. Mario, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this conversation, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through this conversation about mobile home park investing and building peripheral businesses. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks for having me on. I love the show. I'm a big fan.
Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.